Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. morning good afternoon good evening wherever the case may be wherever you're tuning in from to this live stream we're back it's been a minute it's been a week it's been a few weeks but we're back i had to get the guys back in before the actual preseason starts because of the disappointment and the the, the disgusting season that we had last season we all feel responsible not only Klopp and FSG and, and, and Gordon, et cetera, et cetera, but everyone, every part of the Liverpool fan base, the structure, the, the players, the management, the fans, we all felt, fan media, we all felt responsible. It was only my duty to bring in the guys back, boot camp. And as you can see, most of them are back. There's a couple missing, we won't get into it, we won't single them out, but we are back. Thank you very much for joining in. Uh, there's over 200 of you camped in here already. Uh, amazing love and support as always. You already know the house rules. When you go into someone's house, you take off the shoes if they ask you to. We ask you to like the stream when you come into our house. That's our rules. Uh, so like the stream before we go any further. Of course, you see the usual faces. I have the refreshed, the shaped up beard, Evan. Not so scruffy looking, Evan. Uh, Evan looks like preseason has done you well. Well, it was such a it was such a point of conversation last time of you know my facial hair and where it you did get abused basically. Oh yeah, no, I yeah, yeah. Ab- abused is a strong word. I, I got maybe a little slap on the wrist. Trolled. Is is I you know, uh, I you know I, I I owe a duty and and I owe a debt to to um our, our wonderful uh, fans here. So I, I felt I had to regrow it. 
No, you, you you look fine. You look absolutely fine. I feel as though everyone's trying to impress a new signing or compete with a new signing, but we'll get on to that. Uh, of course, I've got um, the James Milner of the channel, um, but not quite the James Milner because you're still here. Uh, so, how yeah, are you doing? Wait, right? Unless the puff and I don't know. You know maybe I'll be getting my piece. No, no, you're all right. You're all ah. right. Until <laughs> December. The transfer window reopens in December, January. We'll see. But now, nah. Connor, you're right. Yeah, good thanks, good thanks. Yeah, we uh, we obviously done the show on Friday, um, which was a top show as well. Um, but yeah, it's been a busy couple of days. So looking forward to chat about it tonight. And obviously, I know you're going to introduce Neil, but it's it's brilliant that he's on the show as well when this breaking news has happened. So super, absolutely. And um, of course, we've got oh god, I'm going to say it, the handsome one, um, the the model of the, the channel, the 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 high flyer. Anywhere, been anywhere. That you're gonna sort of talk about and show off about, get it over and done with now, please. Well, it's so funny you should say that because oh, here we go. where I have been recently is a perfect uh, segue into today's show because I was in Germany uh, a couple weeks ago. Actually. Oh, a bit of scouting. Yeah, a bit, just a bit, a bit of eyes, eye emojis around here, there. Uh, you know, I can't say I was in Leipzig. I was actually in Berlin. Um, enjoying myself because obviously it was the holidays and um, I've already failed the bleak test of pre-season because I partied so hard in Berlin I hardly had any sleep so um, if anyone's never been to Berlin to to enjoy the club scene the clubs open on Friday and they close on Monday so every time you're on the show there's been a holiday or something though so it's well, that's like, what I mean I don't yeah. know if it qualifies as a, you know, people have their summer holidays, but it just seems to be... A normal weekend. Normal weekend. You know, that's, well, that's well, Keith, Keith invents holidays so that he can go places. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's what I've come to find out. Today I shall have a bank holiday. You know what I mean? Kev, good to see you again. Oh, good. Nice and refreshed. I know we ended up on a bit of a low, you know, hope the break's done you well. Yeah, all of that. Yeah, um, break's been brilliant. Had a couple of holidays myself. Um, kind of switched off a little bit from football whilst keeping an eye on sort of the transfer murmurings and what have you. But of course, not been on the show for a while. And um, yeah, I've missed it. I've missed it. And when and when you um, put it in the chat earlier that we're doing the Red Fellows, I instantly was excited, combined with what we're going to talk about, because we've got some great news. Absolutely. Uh, important. But I'm so pleased that we're back now. I was actually excited as well, um, and I was excited. I'm going to make my guest, special guest feel a bit awkward, but he's, he's the ultimate pro. He can handle it. Um, I've got a special guest, as you guys can see, uh, Neil Atkinson uh, from the brilliant Brent for Anfield Rap. Me and Neil first worked. He won't remember because I probably haven't left a lasting impression, but he left a lasting impression. We'd done something for uh, 90 Minutes, shout out my employees, 90 Minutes, um, about two years ago. Two years ago? No, three years ago. No, I think it's pre-pandemic. Pre? Oh, yeah. The pandemic wrecks your head, so it's probably five years ago now. Five years ago. Um, and yeah. and and he left an everlasting impression on me. Um, I have often, often, often told people that he's kind of he doesn't even know all these guys. This is going to make him. He's like he's always off screen. He was telling me how pink he looks. He's probably going to make it worse now. <laughs> that's what, but that's what I do on football carnage. I make people feel even more uncomfortable. Uh, but he's actually my, um, I'd go as far as saying inspiration in the fan media work, uh, especially in the Liverpool fan media world. Um, a fantastic Liverpool speaker. If you don't already know him, 
Um, where have you been if you support Liverpool? Uh, it's an absolute honour, privilege to have Neil. When I, um, and it's the odd thing is I've been bumping him into games, away games, um, yep. presentation, award ceremonies, all sorts of things. And never, ever, ever did we ever think about sort of speaking on a, on a show together. Um, and then I just happened to message him yesterday, WhatsApp him, and he said, yeah, sure, fine. And I was like, yeah, sure, fine, let's get it on. Neil, it's an absolute privilege and honour to have you on Football Carnage. That's very kind indeed. Uh, thoroughly kind from top to bottom. Uh, very pleased to be here as well. I like the fact that the comments are going off early, which is great to see. And we've picked a good one, because how could you not be excited this weekend? Uh, I, I, I can't even keep up with your comments. And thanks for the rest of you to help me, uh, Evan and Connor. I'm looking at you. Thanks for bringing up the comments while I've been busy. Um, you know, <laughs> absolute amateurs. We've got a professional with us and you're absolutely uh, letting yourselves down. But it is what it is. Grizz, while we're on the subject of, of, of sappy stories and things, I, I have my own. That, that I, that, and Neil, I've been wanting to tell you this story for quite a while. Okay. Uh, in, in, in summer 2016, you, you and the rap did a California tour to yep. uh, follow Liverpool's preseason. And you came to San Francisco and, and you did sort of an event at, at a bar in Haight-Ashbury. And uh, so me and my dad signed up. We, we were going to go. We made the trip out. It's only about an hour away. And they wouldn't let me in because I wasn't 21. So really, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it, wow. it was it was it was a kind of a funny situation because Andy Heaton comes out to see what what all the fuss is about, and I and I tell him I can't come in. He's like, well, I'll, I'll have a word with the bouncer. I'm, I'm gonna go figure it out. He comes back out. He's like, well, the bouncer said you still can't come in, but I'm gonna <laughs> hang out here with you, and they're gonna open the <laughs> windows so that you can listen through the window. So uh, I, I listened through the window with uh, with Andy Heaton, and then Gibbo came out the same to say hi as well. So that's that's my amusing story of following. Absolutely the brilliant. But, but if we come back to San Francisco, you are now over twenty one. That you got to be oh, yes, in the fifty year old. Well, well over twenty one. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, um, excellent. So we, we, we may well be we're looking at October in all seriousness. So maybe in oh, October. Um, it's all so mad at the minute, but we're we're got me and Craig gonna have a big chat uh, second half of July and see if we can confirm an October trip. Amazing. Looking forward to uh, it. Yeah. It kind of segues into sort of well, I'm not going to talk too much about my New York trip. Um, the vlogs and videos will explain all. Uh, keep an eye on the socials for that. Uh, it was quite a fun trip, I must say. Uh, shout out to the people at Fox News, Fox 5. Amazing people were overjoyed to, to spend time with them. Um, guys, hit the likes. Uh, evening, Grizz and gang. Can't wait to see the both. No way, New Atkinson. Boss clubber as always. You never walk alone. Uh, boss clubber. There you go. Um, I'm going to start off with you, Neil, yeah. and I'm going to get your. Uh, we're going to just sort of rewind a little bit and say the end of the season. Um, it ended the way it ended. F sort of a bit of hope, but obviously it was a false dawn. Uh, we didn't quite get the Champions League. How did you feel? Did you want to get away from football, even though you work in football? It's your life. It's your it's your it's your breadwinner. Everything about it. You live and breathe football. But did you want to get away from it all, have a little breather, and then come back to it, or was you? I can't wait to get back to put the things right. The um, I mean, the best the best sort of way to think of it is if I haven't really got the option. We don't really have the option of a break because we're just the same number of shows uh, from minute one. So it doesn't the, the idea of a break. What's interesting is I couldn't really write about it anymore. I just sort of felt written out by the time we got to the, the end of the last game against Southampton uh, because as much to do with sort of what ended up happening with Everton as well. You know, it absolutely sort of uh, uh, took, the, took the legs out from under me uh, the last day of the season in a number of ways. And then from there, I was left sort of trying to 
you know, work out what to do uh, about all of that. And in the end, I just didn't write anything for about the month. But the the point of football, and it's this happened the good times as well as the bad, you know, you very quickly get to reset points. You know, it's uh, Shankly has a line that it's an ever-flowing river. And that is just the truth of the matter. Uh, and it's, it's, it's always worth remembering, even when it's going brilliantly. You know, they don't let you carry your points advantage from the previous season into the next season. We all go back to zero and it all starts again. Uh, and I felt as though there was enough towards the end of the campaign to at least be able to go, OK, that's what we're trying to do. And that's the new direction. Because if you'd have asked me in February what sort of footballers we need to buy, I'd have said, A, practically any of them. Um, and B, um, which ones do we need to sell? I'd have said practically all of them. Um, and it was really difficult to say, well, this is what the plan is and this is what it's meant to look like. By the time you get to even a game that stutters a little bit, Villa, Villa at home, you, you at least know what it's meant to look like, whether it's working or not working. And in fact, there's bits of Villa that I think are re- were really instructive as to how if you try to do what we were trying to do that day, and it doesn't work. This is A, how you'll be punished, and B, how you'll be blunted. And I think that, you know, at times, seeing it not work is almost as valuable as seeing it work. Uh, so by the time we got to the, sort of the end of the campaign, it was like, all right, then, if this is the direction of travel, this is the direction of travel. It's not my favourite type of football, but if this is what we're going to try and do, then, you know, let's get behind it 100%. And, you know, I'm, I'm really looking forward to the new season. I was really looking forward to the new season pretty much from the, 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 the point at which we were sort of three or four games into the last nine. Um, and there's much more to that than just, I think, not just the idea of being able to put it right, but the idea of being able to clean the palette a little bit. You yeah. know, I think I think there's, there's a psychological point that we all need to get past, which is that there's a point in a season where we need to worry about Manchester City and it's not game one. I mean, there's a point in football where we need to worry about Manchester City and it's 115 charges. But there's a point in football where we don't need to worry about Manchester City and it's it, it, game one, games one to ten, unless you're playing them. You know, we've just got to try to find a way to relax a little bit and enjoy it a little bit more because I think the thing that happened the most last season, not least because of what happens on the pitch, on the pitch and off the pitch, was it really stopped being fun for an extended period. But I think one of the reasons for that was that we were all obsessed with, you know, any drop points meant, well, it's going to be impossible to ever get near City now, rather than be able to stay in the moment. And I think that had the team as well. You know, I think that Mm -hmm. Liverpool kicking off games like the 1-0 down was a big problem, especially away from home. So with a bit of luck, we end the season and we can we can have optimism, but we've got to embrace that optimism in terms of it being a game-by-game thing, being excited about new players, being excited about existing players in different roles. There's loads to be excited about. We've got to start that journey again, and that's what we've got to refresh, and they'll refresh that too. I'm going to I'm gonna work backwards this time. Normally, I start from the top. And, Kev, I'm going to come to you because I haven't spoken to you for in a little while. Um, mm. And Neil says that, you know, you start again, you start fresh and the optimism comes again. It's natural, isn't it, in a fan? Um, Even in players, probably, and probably in coaches as well. But I feel, just my opinion, I feel this time it was different. I feel the fan base, even the coach, maybe the players, actually, some of the players came out. I felt we needed, needed more than just a break. And we all agreed, I think, we needed refreshing. We needed new players basically we needed something to change we needed something to be freshen up we knew that four or five of the of the of the old troopers were going we know who they are um, we needed something different than just a break and revitalize ourselves we needed something fresh active we needed to be active so far so far and i i stress so far everything suggests we've got that boost fresh optimism i mean for example look at us we're all surely it's the same for the players and the coaching staff as well, right? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you think about the season that we've just had, you could almost pick out every point of the club with some point of criticism, you know? Mm -hmm. Players, manager, coaching, formation, style, the fan base, you know, even at times Anfield was quiet. You know, it was it was all a bit doom and gloom and there wasn't ever going to be one thing that fixes all. You know, I know we always look towards transfers, but simply just getting bodies in wasn't going to be the complete answer. So it was good to see the style change, the formation change, um, some fresh ideas from Klopp and his coaching team towards the end of that season. And we started to get some, you know, more positive performances and results. We've gone away, had a bit of a break. And now, you know, with the signings that have come in and potentially the ones that come, you're kind of starting to see what could possibly uh, be achieved next season or at least what direction we're going to head in. So that's all really positive. And like Neil says, the psychological thing for, for Liverpool in particular is huge because I think that we are a club that um, generates momentum and thrives off momentum better than any other club in the world, I would argue. And we seem to have lost all that momentum last season. So if we can start it prior to the season with signings, a good pre-season, uh, a freshness, even just, you know, seeing Klopp do some media stuff and smiling and happy, that filters through the fan base. Suddenly there's a more positive atmosphere amongst the fan base and the club and everybody in general. We take that into the season. We take that positivity and um, adds the fact that we want to right some wrongs of last season. Liverpool do really well when they've got the bit between their teeth and the, they've got, you know, receipts to check in on teams that have, you know, we drop points against and stuff. So, um, it's positive. I think everybody should be really positive. The only way it wasn't going to be is if, you know, we weren't getting people in the door, but we have, and we'll talk about some of those in a bit. Um, so, yeah, um, I think I think there's there's been a shift. There's been a shift and um, it's exciting again. That's why we're all excited to be back. Yeah, Keith, um, I think there has been a shift. We did feel that. But if there's a... And, and, and yes, we spoke about maybe errors of judgment, tactically... You know, whatever, Klopp makes mistakes, he's a human. He's not the perfect coach. There is no such thing as the perfect coach. He's allowed to make mistakes. It was a season of mistakes from top to bottom, it seems. And so it proved to be. But I had no doubts that he's the man to sort of... He's, for me, he's the best person to lead you out of misery because, mm. because of the way he is. And as, as Cav says, so far, even with just the media duties, you can see a sense of revitalized Jurgen Klopp and and let's not let's not be fooled by his smiling and giggling like Cav says when we have the bit between our teeth and we have wrongs to right we usually do it absolutely but I think Jurgen Klopp himself must be quite excited do you know what I mean failure is the opportunity to start from fresh start with new ideas start with something different and it's a real challenge for him as a world-class manager to, you know, re-create um, something new at Liverpool again. You know, he, a lot of comparisons get made between Jurgen Klopp and his time at Borussia Dortmund. And I feel that's a bit unfair because unlike at Borussia Dortmund, where he was just losing his new players left, right and centre, um, pretty much as soon as they blew onto the scene, at Liverpool, he's had the majority of his best players for a good amount of time, enough time to be able to win big trophies, get things over the line and build a culture of, of success at Liverpool, which has in part allowed him to then rebuild and sign players that are, um, you know, some of the most exciting players in their position to come in and 
fill the void and build and rebuild again. So I think for Jurgen Klopp, it's probably the most ex- exciting time because he gets to prove once again why he should be considered as probably one of the greatest managers in this era, right? Irrespective of the fact that he may not have always been at the right club at the right time to stat pad a whole bunch of trophies, what he's been able to achieve over the last 20, 20, what, 21 years of coaching has been truly remarkable. And I think we should never lose the fact that Absolutely. like him, there isn't many managers like him in the market today, period, unless we're going to look and get someone like Pep Guardiola in the club. And so, you know, yeah, it was rubbish the way it all ended. But you talked about Klopp being ruthless. Uh, losing, uh, letting four players go of the magnitude of, you know, Keita, Firmino, um, James Milner, uh, and Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, all four players, arguably, who still have enough talent to be able to play for uh, a top six club, tells you everything that you need to know about how he's not as... He can be ruthless when he wants to be. Um, and I'd be really intrigued to see how far this ruthlessness goes before the end of the transfer window. Uh, Conroy, I was thinking of asking you a really serious question, but I, I, I've, I've just got this to ask you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I think it's, uh, this is from the last show on Friday. It was because I think the, the lighting I've got right now, my eyebrows are quite faint, but I can right. confirm and have confirmed in the chat they are right. here. They are there. I've not had a, a stag night prank going wrong where they've shaved my eyebrows. So Are they any good? What, are, they, are they what? Are they any good? Yeah, your eyebrows any good? They keep sweat off your, out of your eyes. You put suntan lotion there. Are, are they functional is what I'm asking, these yeah, eyebrows? Or are, are, are they, you carrying they them? They do a job, Neil. Is that the purpose of eyebrows? I mean, look, I, I, I don't mean to yeah, say Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. That's meant to... The, so basically, if you sweat or anything like that, it's meant to... The theory is it's meant to make sure that you don't lose your... Lose the... You know, you don't get the, whatever negative sort of stuff into your eyes. So your eyesight always remains strong. Mine are shite. If I put suntan lotion there too much in no time at all, I'm blinded. My um... my, my, my eyebrows. I, I, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna lie, guys. My eyebrows are fantastic. Yeah, um, they really, they really are. Great. I want. I have. I have been. I have been sort of uh, like weirdly, weirdly, yeah, weirdly praised about for my eyebrows. I've never wondered why, but now that Neil's explained it, yeah. Um, Oliver says, "Grizzlies and build the podcast adventures." Hulk. <laughs> we know who Hulk is. Who's Bucky? <laughs> Who's Tony Stark with? Edith, who's Hercules, who's Thor, and the young Peter Parker. Yeah, working out yourselves, who's who? I, I, I'm low maintenance. I, I, I could be any, <laughs> and that would be okay. You know, but if, if y'all want to assign me one of the more flattering roles, I, I won't. I won't say no. I, I mean, Tony Stark, to be fair, man. Oh, lovely, yeah, yeah, lovely. Yeah, yeah. It's because I'm the stat guy. I like yeah. numbers, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I guess. I guess talking of stats or whatever. We'll get into the stats and we would get into, obviously, everyone wants to speak about exciting things, new players, signings, everything else that comes with, with preseason and transfer window opens. Evan, we we bored the shit out of the chat about what we need to do and when we need to do it and how active we need to be in order for us to have this optimism that we have now, the belief that we have now. Mm-hmm. We needed to trust the whole process. Um has the process started off really well for you? Is it, Are you expected? Are you surprised? Did you have this much belief? I, be, belief is, is, a, is a funny word in, in relation to the transfer window. I, I would say that I had faith that the club are going to continue to pick out the right sort of profiles uh, for what we need. Um, 
I, I think we all could admit um, that we would perhaps hope that the succession plan was further along uh, at, at this point. And we could we could make cases that Liverpool should have put these wheels in motion, perhaps in, in recent windows. Um, but I am feeling extremely content with where Liverpool are right now. I mean, if you, if you look at how we sort of started off um, the offseason, getting Alexis McAllister through the door, a guy who you could make a case was a, a top five midfielder in the league last season uh, yeah. for 35 million uh, in this market. Um, it, it's, it's harder to start often in, in, in a better way. So I think I, I have faith in the restructuring, I have faith in the rebuild. You know, some some people are perhaps a bit more skeptical because they say perhaps the one thing missing on Jurgen Klopp's illustrious resume is he hasn't had the sort of mass scale rebuild at a club before. Um, I am completely at peace with the fact that Jurgen has talented people working around him to to help him through this process. It was never going to be all on him to get, to get these sorts of things done. So. I'm feeling very good about the rebuild, Grizz. And admittedly, I was feeling very content uh, about the rebuild even before David Ornstein chose to rock our world 72 hours ago. So, uh, yeah, I'm feeling good right now. Conroy, um, enough about your eyebrows. Um, we've got someone who's got fantastic eyebrows walking through the door today. Um, I think we've signed an absolute star. Um, what's your thoughts on... Um, Dominic Sabozilai. Yeah, <clears throat> well, I think, um, Chris, to be honest, I think it's a it's a very good signing. Um, I think on top of what we said the other day with regard to positionally, what position what position he can operate or formation, I know we'll probably go into that in more detail, but good chance it will be right centre mid uh, of the 3-2-2-3 or however you want to say a 4-3-3 with Trent coming in and the box midfield be ahead of Trent. And I feel like he's got a lot of attributes um, similar to why we're looking at Mason Mount, especially he can play out wide as well. And then sometimes in that formation, you saw that last year that Henderson did end up out wide in the right-hand side quite a lot. He's got good strengths, good dribbling ability, dribbling ability, ability out there as well, um, not just his long-range shooting. I think as well, additionally, because um, I know we went into in it the other day, we discussed it, I think for me, what I've seen with the official announcement is for him to, to you know take the number eight shirt. Now, I'm not a big guy on numbers and stuff for players. I think it gets far too overblown and we just want to celebrate for celebrating sake sometimes in football. But in this one, because like I know he's your favourite player and he's my favourite player, Steven Gerrard, it does hold such a big thing with Liverpool and the fan base for a player to come in um, and, and have the mentality that I'm going to take that shot and I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to take it with all the what's the word, all the history that comes with, with it, if that's the right one. And then to see what, you know, Naby Keita done with it as well and that went the absolutely wrong, the wrong way. I feel like it says a lot about this this player's mentality and then hearing the quotes uh, and the link, um, even the Gerard tattoo, I feel like it's it's a lot of good signs for me. I feel like he, well, people are saying, like, you know, we come in and do that. I feel like he, he has the self-belief that he can come in and be a huge part, like he can be that guy. And I think we're talking about, you know, like, let's say he's, he's positioned to be adaptable to play right wing and stuff. I think in his head, he feels like I can be the best player here. And you guys might disagree with that. And that, that's fine. But I do feel like he has that mentality. Um, so for me, I think that's only positive, to be honest. So since we had that conversation, I think that all signs are looking good from my point of view. I would have that mentality, too, if I was that beautiful and good at football. 
Yeah. Well, well, yeah. 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 Who says you aren't, Keith? Who says you aren't? Yeah. One out of two. Football skills, that's dodgy. Neil, <laughs> uh, I want to ask you about uh, what Conor was talking about in terms of almost already he's got an aura around him, like sort of about him taking the number eight and everything. First and foremost, I want to ask you about the profile of players. Sorry. Do yeah. you see the plan? So we obviously we've. You've covered McAllister. We've covered McAllister. Everyone's covered McAllister. McAllister's done. As soon as McAllister's done, who's next? Who's next? Did you see the plan? So it's obvious we needed central midfield reinforcements. Profile of players was very, very important to me and to everyone else as well, that we get the right profile of player or players, as the case should have been and will be. Um, we get McAllister, who's a... Multifunctional can play in a double pivot, a ball playing, uh, who will control the ball, control the tempo. Almost what Nabi Keita was supposed to be when we bought Nabi Keita. This fella seems to me like to be the replacement of the Ox in terms of the dynamism, the shooting, especially the shooting, the driving with the ball. Do you see the plan from the recruitment team in terms of the profile of player? I absolutely do. I think it's actually, for me, you know, there's... I always think about Arsenal's business last summer. Now, I think Arsenal overperform uh, by yeah. the end of the season. I don't think they're that good, but they needed a left-back, they needed a centre-forward. They went out and they got a left-back and they got a centre-forward, and they looked markedly better. They were the right type of player from minute one. Uh, so, Bosley, for me, suits what we want from this right-hand-sided midfield uh, slash forward option in this 3-2-5 build-up where there's two behind the front three. For me, he's absolutely perfect there. The extent to which he feels immediately like a 20% upgrade on Henderson is hard to put into words. I think it's difficult to... I think Jones ends the season really, really well. Uh, and the idea that McAllister... McAllister's a different type of player, but he may well you know, offer a great deal playing off that left-hand side in that shape. And I think he'll offer more general flexibility, being able to shuttle up and down a little bit. But it, it didn't feel like straight away you get to see how we'll be markedly better uh, with that sign. And even though I think he's really good uh, and I'm delighted we bought him, with this one, I think it crystal clear immediately, just, just in a plug-and-play way, you can see how we're going to improve. We're going to come on leaps and bounds. Not least because he's another footballer the opposition need to worry about. One of the problems with Henderson when he's been playing that position, and it's happened in pretty much every game, even when we were winning those games towards the end of the season, players were quite happy to let Henderson go, let Henderson run. So we ended up in a situation where, because of what Trent was doing, often a lot of the time the ball that Canate will play will be to Salah. Salah would drop 20 yards deeper, Salah would pick up, and then Henderson would go and fill the space that Salah would leave. And in the end, either Salah wouldn't give it to, to Henderson, or if he did, Henderson would then have to then stop, hold up, the whole thing pulls up and goes from there. The idea that's a Bosley, and he picks it up, and he's the one who's picking it up, able to go inside or outside from the right-hand channel, ahead of Salah, run at a defender, beat a defender, find a ball, find a shot. Immediately, you need to worry about him. You need to get men over there. You need to go and shut that down quick. But if you shut that down, the blanket gets stretched, and there's only so much that you can cover. You know, and across the board, there is is profiles in the Bundesliga as as attacking midfielders amongst the best in terms of counter pressing and presses and all those little bits and pieces. You know, he's amongst the best in terms of his passing, in terms of his ball progression. None of this is to talk Henderson down. In that little run, Henderson actually progresses the ball really, really well, and he does he does a good job. But he's still, ultimately, he's never going to get you more than two, three goals a season. And the opposition know that. You know, he's got the ability to put a really, really good ball in, but that's pretty much the only thing he's going to do. So if, you, if, you, if you're looking after that, then you can you can crack on with your little bits and pieces. Straight away, I feel as though, you know, from the minute Sabozlai gets himself onto the pitch, 
however early that comes, Liverpool will just look more threatening. Salah will have more space because men will have to worry about what Sabozlai is doing. You know, Gakpo should be able to get more space. Gakpo and Sabozlai could actually interchange. Salah could end up at nine, Sabozlai out wide, Gakpo coming back into that little slot. You can imagine how all that works. And I think that that's, you know, that's something that's really important for Liverpool to have. That's not to sort of say that, you know, he, he should be starting every week or anything like that, or that there won't be little shifts and, and bits and pieces in there. You know, it's interesting. Someone's just put in the comments there, Coptimistic's just put finally goals from midfield. I'd sort of disagree with that. Curtis Jones gets a brace away at Leicester. Um, and it's the first time, though, a Liverpool midfielder had scored a brace since Oxlade-Chamberlain at Genk uh, in, the, in, the, in the year after the Champions League. And the time before that was when Alden against Barcelona. You've, you know, we need, do need to have that. We need the option of that. And then the other thing why I'm really excited about him as well is that he's clearly not peaked. There's loads of room for him to grow yeah. and improve. So even if he was 26 and he was coming in now, you'd be able to see how there'd be an improvement. But if he himself is well coached, which we, we can say he will be, and he's got the right attitude, which it appears he has, then it could well be that the sky's a little bit of a limit for him uh, over a period of time. It may be a rocky first six months because that's often the case when players come into Liverpool. We might not see quite as much of them as we might expect for that first sort of six months. That's possible. I don't think that's likely, but it's possible. We've got to bear that in mind. But I am very excited. And as I say, I feel as though it is the most... We had to do something in that position. We had to. And we also needed it to be a creative footballer. We needed it to be someone who's got the ability to be creative. It wasn't just the idea that we need more runners or anything like that, which we do, do need and did need. We need there to be genuine technique and we need there to be someone who the opposition have got to worry about. I'm delighted with it. I really am. Uh, Nish confirms uh, uh, that you're delighted about it. He says, it seems great signing. Even Neil has got the fairy lights out in celebration. There we are. So there you, so there you go. Uh, people are observing your happiness. Um Cav, um, so I've seen quite a bit of him. Uh, yeah. When I say quite a bit, I've seen probably about five, five, six games of him um, and about 30 compilations on YouTube. And I think that yeah. that confirms that I'm now an expert on, on him. I'm I'm an expert on him. Top one percent Dominic Sobosly expert, Chris. But you think the thing is when people say this kind of thing, I'm serious. You lot are laughing and smiling. It's up to the each individual to take what they need from seeing a compilation. So I don't genuinely look at so I mean I can't reveal my secrets right now, but maybe off air. Kev, the one thing I love about him, absolutely loving a footballer is being able to strike a ball cleanly. Now, that might be the most obvious thing a footballer should be able to do. Mm -hmm. There is a certain technique certain footballers have, and I'm going to name a few, and I'm not comparing them to them already. Steven Gerrard, Frank Lampard, Scholes, Kevin De Bruyne, all have this aura about them that when they're going to strike, they're going to hit the target, and, the, and it's going to be a clean strike. Unfortunately, Naby Keita didn't have that. Unfortunately, Curtis Jones, I don't think, has that yet as well. This guy, almost almost every time he's about to take a shot or, 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 or create a chance to, uh, to take a shot, you know it's going to hit the target. And he's got a technique mm-hmm. on him that I absolutely adore and love. Is that your main attribute that you've seen from him that stands out to you? I certainly get what you're saying. He's um, he's controlled. And sometimes I've watched the same uh, compilations and stuff and you see some of the goals that he scored. He doesn't rush. He takes his time, sets his body right. You know, if he needs to let the ball run across him, he will. 
And like you say, he really takes care in making sure that he hits the ball correctly. With and the right all of those making. guys that I've mentioned, the likes of Lampard, maybe didn't have other attributes, but one of his attributes was he took so much care in that shot because he knew that is the key part of the whole process. And Absolutely, this guy yeah. gives me those vibes. And, and when you see a player take the time to make sure he hits the ball correctly, it demonstrates his intelligence. It demonstrates his awareness as well. You know, he's not rushing everything, you know, and that's, you know, it shows confidence as well. You look at some of the compilations, you're like, oh, someone's going to nick it off him. But now nah, mm. he's just managed to get that shot away and, and hit it right. So it shows that um, he's got a football brain on him. It shows he's aware of his surroundings on the football pitch and this and that. It's um, it's certainly a standout attribute, but I was uh, doing a bit of research with him and Neil touched upon a lot of them, to be fair, brilliantly well, but... I think um he does this. He, he yeah, does this. yeah, yeah, cheers yeah. that Neil. You've left yeah. me with nothing to be honest yeah. with. But <laughs> um but one thing that um I was sort of trying to read sort of fan um takes on him and what they was often saying as well is is yes, he contributes with goals and assists, yes, he's good at winning the ball uh, high up the pitch. Obviously, Leipzig like to, to press and play fast-paced football, but um he also can often be the man that provides for the assister which shows that he can be involved in build-up as well. Yeah. So as a as an attacking midfielder outlet, he he really has a lot of attributes that can be, you know, sort of picked and choosed and, and um, used depending on what the build-up is in that phase of play. Um, he spent time playing out on the wings as well. I think he was sort of put out on the left wing for a while uh, because of his striking ability. Obviously, he's right-footed and he'd caught, caught in and used that technique that we just spoke about to sort of get in on the goals. Uh, it's played out on the right and in the midfield. So he's clearly a versatile player, which could be a key thing when, you know, Salah goes off to the AFCON and we need somebody to occupy that space during that period as well. So, uh, and we know that Klopp likes these players whereby, yes, they've probably got a, a position they prefer to play in, but they can be uh, put into other positions as and when, you know, um, and with more and more games coming throughout the season, that's going to be even more crucial to our bigger squads and a more versatile player. I think the thing for me, and, and Neil touched upon it, the exciting thing is where he fits into the formation, you know, mm. taking that kind of Henderson role. I felt even sort of prior to this formation, but especially now we, we're using it, or I think we're going to use it, is, you know, just having a creator in midfield, just having a guy that can that can shoot, that can score, that can assist. Because how often have we seen it? And we've never struggled for goals, but it always feels like you watch the games and you're like, ah, if, if you'd have just took better... You know, if you just talk better care we of have the ball set there. patterns of play, we haven't got any different. We haven't got an X factor per se. Mm. Diaz, yes, he is supposed to be the X factor, but obviously injured last season. But the rest of our forward play attackers are very functional. You could say even Salah. I mean, mm. he's amazingly functional and he's brilliantly. But it, you know, the the, the patterns of play are very, you know, uh, repetitive. Yeah, exactly, and 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 there will be some there will be some of that um, to an extent. But when you get these players in that are confident on the ball, and you know they have a picture in their mind and they're creators in themselves, you'll start to see individual ideas come out and sort of take fruition in the build up. So, him along with McAllister will bring different ideas and what have you as well, as well as the coaching team working on different things. Um, I suppose the question, well. I, th I suppose the thing for me, and I'm not sure if you guys would agree, I think it's a commitment to the formation we sort of see in Liverpool yep. play towards the end of last season. Definitely. I think mm -hmm. when McAllister came in the door, you could make an argument to say we'd stick with it or go back to a 4-3-3, whereby he'd occupy the left centre mid position. But I think this signing kind of changes things, whereby I'm like, 
I don't know if we could play a 4-3-3 with this guy in. You know, hopefully more people come in the door, but I think it shows the commitment to that formation. I suppose the question then is, um, defensively, how do we, how do we, um, how do we shape up? You know, do we need to bring somebody else in the door to occupy a position next to Trent? Does he fill in the the right back position well? And all these kind of question marks come come with it as well. So. Um, Hold, hold that, hold that thought, hold that thought, because that is a question we will come on to. Keith, we, I was adamant. I don't want any squad players. I don't want any players that sort of potential. Um, you know, we can sort of see in a couple of years. I wanted first team starters. McAllister is a first team starter. Sobozilai is a first team starter. Come Spurs away, no Chelsea away. Beg your pardon, Chelsea away. Is he a starter for you as well? Really? You must have been muted. Yeah, you must have been muted with that opinion. With that, with that, I don't think I want to hear this. But now, go on. <laughs> of course, of course. I don't, I don't, I don't know. Is the answer mm. to, to, to my question? The reason why is um, I look at it a bit like um, how Alex Oxley Chamberlain uh, took a while to kind of really find his feet in what Klopp okay. was, was trying to do. I actually see a lot of similarities in the purchase of Soboslai to um, Oxley Chamberlain. Actually, you know, a, dyna- a player that's kind of predominantly played out wide uh, to now being a player that ultimately is going to be playing in the midfield style position, right on the right hand side of it, can hit a ball from anywhere, can actually score some goals, and actually quite dynamic, exciting, and will run at players. Um, we haven't had that in a long, long time. I think to your point about trying to sign someone that could be up and coming. You could argue that's what Harvey Elliott was, right? That's why we put Harvey Elliott in that exact same position that I feel like Sobosla is going to play. Um, and I'm really excited that it's going to be a first-team star. Is he going to start the first game of the season? I think pre-season will dictate that. Yeah. I think if he can bring it, if he can really generate some buzz in pre-season that, you know, that gets people talking, I think Klopp may have no choice but to start him straight away. It could be a Diaz situation, right? Instant impact. Everybody's, you know, talking about him. The excitement grows. He shows what he's capable of and and, and away you go. I think one thing that really kind of works in his favour as well is the probably, arguably, I would say Liverpool is the best set-piece team in the Premier League. And mm. we just added somebody who's fantastic at set-pieces. So... That for me really That's gives another him a question. Point. I mean, I have no idea who is taking the set pieces. Wow, wow. Yeah. I mean, if, if Trent is having an off day and you get Sober Slide to be able to take the, 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 the free kicks, if you want to take a corner and uh, an in swinger in a different angle, and the fact that even if Trent is taking the free kick, all of a sudden you've got a man who's six foot one who's now in the box and can't, you know, obviously doesn't win as many aerial duels as probably a man of his size should, but he's still ultimately a threat to add to. Um, uh, uh, the tall players, but I really like the idea that he's he's really really good at set pieces. Now again, can, can I can I just jump in on that point as yeah, well? Trent is probably going to play a lot of football next season, right? But if should anything happen to him, you'd want somebody else to be a good set piece taker, and maybe that's part of the thinking as well. You know, yes, Trent might be on free kicks and corner duty and stuff for the most part, but if something should happen to Trent or we need to rest him in games. You want somebody there who's proficient as well. And and that's what he offers. So maybe that's actually a, a, a part of why we wanted to sign him. 
And what about or, or, if, or if Trent just doesn't feel like jogging across the pitch to take a corner. <laughs> yeah. Trent Alexander-Arnold has, has earned that yeah. sort of uh, right yeah. to say, oh, yeah, no, you You joke, but how many times has Robbo and Trent switched over from a No, no, yeah, a yeah, 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 yeah. You know, he's had to go over and take that set piece. Suddenly it's now amazing. that might solve a problem. It's amazing how we've just sort of forgotten about McAllister, who I believe takes the set pieces. Exactly. For our yeah. 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 Who's taking the pens? That's what I want to know now. I mean, <laughs> you know, my thoughts, you know, my, you know, no, my that, thoughts on the penalty. That's not a debate. We, we know that Fabinho took penalties before he came. Salah got it from James Milner. It's going to be Salah. Salah's missed two penalties in a row and still got the third one. So the jury's yeah. not out. It'll be more Salah, even though we all like you know worry every time he runs up to hit it. It's got a good success rate, so I can't see that before, changing. Before I come to Evan with some complicated graphs that only he can explain, I'm got a clue oh. what they mean. Neil, your thoughts on the situation about the penalties? Because we've had a massive debate near the end of the season, especially when we realised Salah's two penalties could have got us to the Champions League. I know it's a weird way of looking at it, but it is what it is. We were, we were reactionary, we were hot-headed. But Salah on the pens... With so I mean, many you, can have any, you can have any opinion you want. I would say the defining opinion is Mo Salah's. He's, he's not going to give, yeah. That's exactly so I think I think you know I think that you can we can all think whatever we do or don't want to think, but whilst Mo Salah wants to take penalties, he will be taking the penalties. Oh, if Mo Salah thinks, you know what, I'm not entirely sure if this is for me anymore, uh, which it would have been lovely if he'd have drawn that conclusion in the thirty never... seconds before the Bournemouth one, when <laughs> no one on the planet thought he was going to score it, um, and uh, including Mo Salah then that would have been helpful. But as it is, um, I think we I think we need to acknowledge the fact that one man has part of why he is still at Liverpool is he's got very a very distinct set of records in mind. Um, and he's not going to become Liverpool's third highest ever goal scorer uh, by letting Alexis McAllister take the penalties. By giving up penalties. Exactly that. Um, guys, don't, don't, don't worry. I've got all your super chats saved. I'm just trying to sort of bring them in when they're relevant to what we're talking about. So appreciate that. Um, smash up the likes. There's nearly 950 of you in here, but the likes ratio is quite poor. On a day like this, my God, um, get the likes up. Evan, um, in terms of in terms of what is this guy about from your from your statistical side of things? Um, before I bring up the, the stats, and I, I just want to speak more to just like the, the eye test, my opinion of it. Um, you guys have already touched on everything. Uh, I agree with pretty much everything that has been said about Big Dom. Uh, one thing I just wanted to add, though, just on a personal <laughs> level, I've always had a, I've always had a thing for for athletes who have more than the required amount of size and athleticism and strength for their uh, required role. So you, you think of, you know, Magic Johnson, 6'7", he's a point guard, um, but he's as skilled as anybody else on the floor. You think about Kevin De Bruyne, whose best attributes are obviously technical attributes, but at the same time, he's got the motor, he's got the engine room, he's, he's got the pace. We saw that with his goal against Arsenal. Um, you think of Yaya Torre, a guy who's just pure silk, just everything he does on the ball. And yet he's stronger than faster than anybody else in his prime as well. And for me, uh, Sobosly fits that description a bit. He's got a bit of a demonic top speed. Uh, he's six foot one and a half, six foot two, which I know Neil is a huge fan of. You know, if it's not six foot, don't sign him. Um, it's it's one of those things. Neil himself where... about six foot six. From what I remember, <laughs> yeah. that's one of the um, reasons why I look up to him. He didn't, you know, that's a, that's a story. Yeah, um, yeah. So for all those things, you know, it, it makes him, it makes his ceiling, I think, incredible, mm. incredible, because he can rely 
on his physical attributes when he needs to, and then he can instantly turn back and do all of his great work with his technical ability. And players who can sort of just flip the switch and integrate those two things in the space of five yards, 10 yards, I think those are the most dangerous players on the planet. Um, but into the stats uh, we go. Um, Sobosly, um, this is sort of him compared to uh, some of the above average uh, Bundesliga players in terms of how they penetrate and how they instigate things. So on the bottom, we have shot creating actions just cut off by the banner there. And then uh, on the top, we have incisive passes completed, which is, you know, a similar metric to through balls. Um, so right here, we can see Sobosly. I really like shot creating actions because I think they're sort of this all encompassing metric um, because a shot creating action can be an action off. He beats a man and increases a shot for himself off the dribble. Mm -hmm. It can be a pass. Uh, you can a shot creating action by drawing a foul, a shot creating action by winning the ball back high up, high up the pitch. So they encompass. It's just how effective they they really are, just at creating shots in a variety of ways. So Silvasly is just a freak in in the Bundesliga. I, I don't think anybody touches him. I think Joshua Kimmich comes close. Thomas Muller, Kingsley Coman, the the guys who play for the title winning team, obviously they come close. Um, and then incisive passes completed. How confident. Is he to thread the needle? How confident is he to try to break the lines? Obviously, Sobosly not only is comp, uh, confident to do it, but he does it at a high rate, like very frequently in, in his team. Um, so those were sort of the standout metrics for me. I always go to shot creating actions when I, when I look at these types of players, um, but I also wanted to see um, just how line breaking he is because I, I think we could use a little bit of that. You know, Trent is obviously elite at it, but, you know, just an extra presence in the midfield that can do that can only help our cause. Um, and then I have uh, progressive pressers. As you can see, this is uh, progressive actions, which is another one of those all-encompassing uh, metrics. Anything that involves the player taking the ball towards the opponent's goal is a progressive action. It, it, can, be a, it can be a through ball. It can be a dribble uh, pass, you know, winning the ball high up, high up the pitch and immediately running with it. And then defensive actions in the final third. And th this, this is really uh, crucial, I think. Most people would understand that uh, guys like Kevin De Bruyne, as you can see, Bernardo Silva, Thiago, Harvey Elliott, Martin Odegaard, these sorts of players are excellent sort of at counter-pressing and winning the ball back, maintaining the siege. Because inevitably, when you're sieging the opponent's box, you're going to give the ball away because you're going to try something it's not going to come off. And so crucial to any iteration of Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool is just making sure you can get that ball back really quickly, ideally in the offensive third and in the opponent's defensive third. So um, this is Sobosly's Bundesliga data. I had to take it and put it in. This is all, as you can see, it's amongst Premier League midfielders, but I wanted to add him in before today's show so we, we could see where he sits. Uh, the Bundesliga data, I mean, he sits well above average right next to Michael Elise there and not too far off guys like Silva and Elliott. Um, so there's obviously comparisons to Kevin De Bruyne in, in, in terms of, the, the athleticism and the technical attributes and, and just sort of how he profiles and trends. Um, Sobosly, I, I would be shocked if after uh, an extended run in Liverpool's first team, he's not right up there with, with guys like Silva, De Bruyne, Thiago, even further than, you know, Elliot, of course. Um, yeah. I, I'm just blown away. Cause you know, obviously I'm, I'm, I'm not a purely, uh, uh, a stats nerd. I, I do like to trust my eyes as well, but the, the numbers, trend towards a really really effective player Grizz and I, I'm really excited just by everything I've seen during my uh, statistical deep dives Conroy um, are you uh, impressed with all that 
um, statistical stuff as well as the eye test. Uh, it seems like we have got quite the player for quite the fee. In this day and age where Mason Mount just went for the similar amount and double the wage, um, obviously reliable journalist informed us that we were interested in Mason Mount, but obviously very clearly not at the, the numbers. Uh, this one makes all the sense. Uh, a younger version, 22, captain of his national team, uh, plays in a variety of roles and the stats and the eye test to back it. Uh, have you got any issues with the price or anything before we move on? No, absolutely not. I think uh, Evan's point about that was a really great um, um, statistical graph there, both of them, Evan, as well, though, the, the, for us to play the way that we know we mentioned we've not seen a rebuild from Klopp. But to be perfectly honest, you very rarely see anyone with opportunity to rebuild in football nowadays. The years that Arsene Wenger and Alec Ferguson, they're long gone. Let's be realistic here. Um, but with regard to that, what we do know is Klopp can win and he's been successful and he's been successful playing a certain way. And no strengths that Evan just mentioned, but the ability to press like that, to suffocate teams high up, that's what he's been good at. And I feel like we've all accepted that. Um, other things not being as great you've seen last season, there was other factors, but that, you know, that main style and tactic has worked. So I think, again, just to add to Evan's uh, stat st statistical graphs there, I thought that really adds to that point as well. On the price, I think it's um, definitely, you mentioned age, you mentioned potential, eye test, what he can do, it's all there. I think it's a very good deal. Um, I would also like to add, you mentioned the, the Mount one, Chris, but it actually got me thinking the other day. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be KDB. I'm not saying that at all. But do you know what? If you don't well, say it, say it. Why not? If say you don't it. Buy a ticket, you can't win the raffle. And now, when KDB was bought from Wolfsburg, the arrogance by certain journalists and media to think they knew better. I mean, it's quite an infamous clip now when he's probably, people argue he's the best midfielder ever in the Premier League, but he's definitely in the top five. And that signing at the time was looked at with a bit of disdain, like it's not going to work out. It's far too much. That was £50 million. And I think that was maybe seven years ago, eight years ago. Now, at that time, there's a good example there that there is a lot of similarities. And if it's half as good as KDB could be for us, and it's not, I wouldn't say we've ever had someone like that. Like KDB can rescue games for City. He's the difference a lot of the time. He is a big game player. I know there's a few clips going, but he is. He absolutely has that impact on the team. He's the difference. Player of the year two, three times. He is that. So for me, when you mentioned um, that was 50 million and that was that's only 10 million pounds less and that was looked at at the time with it's far too much. I just feel like with the way inflation's happened, prices in general just went through the roof. I think it's an absolute great deal, to be honest. And I feel like he, he could hopefully be our difference maker. Now, again, I'm not getting far too hyped too early, but I just think, to me, he's got something about him where he feels he can be that that guy. He, he can be the difference in crucial games, and I think he relishes that from what I've seen. I was yeah. going to say, I was going to say, Neil. Already, he's shown that he's walked in and he's taken the number eight shirt, like you know, he owns it, he loves it. He's spoken about sort of his hero being Stephen Gerrard. Uh, first thing first, does anybody know if that quote from Stephen Gerrard is that a true quote? Is that a fake quote that he's got tattooed on his arm? Anybody know? If well, I thought that I thought the the story about the tattoo itself was was a bunch of nonsense, and then he just talked about it today, and I was like, oh, okay, well then that actually makes a ton of sense. I have no idea if Stephen Gerrard actually said that, so I can't answer. Oh, interesting. He has no, he has no, because he's yeah. now, isn't he? Yeah, there you go. But 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 Neil, do you see this? I think he's got it. I think he's got this hero, savior. 
Gene in him. I think I think he's the kind of player, you know, he, he plays like that for his country. He's the main man of his country. Uh, again, loads of confidence from Salzburg, that, the, the, the Salzburg to Leipzig move. Um, and Liverpool, now to Liverpool. Confident he wanted. No Champions League, no problem. I'll get you there. Jurgen Klopp wants me, no problem. Number eight shirt, give it to me. So far, everything suggests that, you know, sometimes the shirt can be too heavy for the player. I don't think it's in this case. I think it's unlikely to be. It's, you know, without sort of heaping too much on him, but I think you can say similar things about Gakpo. I think you can say similar things about Nunez, you know, in terms of a certain type of mentality where it does feel as though they want to come in and they want to really impress and be dynamic. It doesn't always work that way, and that, or it can take a little bit more time than you might want. But I'm very, you know, I'm enthused about that. But I'm also just enthused by the idea that, you know, they'll all be looking forward to the first day of pre-season training. They'll all be looking forward to seeing what this kid's like, all the players, and he'll be looking forward to impressing them and seeing what they're like as well. And I think that that's, that's just our point, really. And I think the idea of the refresh, part of the key part, the key part of the idea of a refresh is that it refreshes the idea of the whole journey. You know, these lads, they're all in it together. Uh, McAllister, uh, Sabozlai, um, and Curtis Jones, uh, Trent in his new position, uh, Gakpo, uh, Diaz, Nunez, even Jota to an extent. Yes, Jota's had a good Liverpool career so far, but, you know, there's still that idea of wanting to win one of the major honours that you can win and be part of all that process. And they've all got that in front of them and they've got a good set of guides because they've all been there and done it once already. I'm, you know, I'm excited about about that bit and I want them to want that. You know, I want them to want their version of the Liverpool story altogether because then it becomes part of our story and I think that'll be the absolute business. And I think the other thing that these signings are doing, you know, in, a, in quite an important way, is I think it'll actually help get more out of the existing footballers who are there at times by yeah. putting the pressure and the onus on them a little bit less. You know, I think that there's, for me, in the 2021-22 season, there is no shadow of a doubt that the physical impact of the number of appearances both Fabinho and Henderson get does them in uh, moving forward. Absolutely. Hopefully now, the idea that, you know, once all the signings are completed for a period of time, you know, you you won't feel as though they've got to be playing two, three times a week. I think Virgil suffered uh, in the first part of last season from playing three games a week uh, at times. I think he really suffered from it for the first time in his career, probably. And maybe he might, might not have entirely understood what was happening to him himself. And I think that's the other bonus because you've got to find silver linings in clouds. The other bonus in amongst all of this with the Europa League reality rather than the Champions League reality is that it will be easier for players to bed. And you said earlier on, Grizz, you didn't really want any projects. I think you, I think the very essence of this is that it is a bit of a project. And there will be, you know, I think that the third midfielder who comes in, I think there's every chance that they're a bit of a, a bit of a long-term project and it might take a bit of time for them to get settled and to feel as though they established themselves. But it's actually quite straightforward to do that for Liverpool for the next six months. You're guaranteed six Europa League group games. You're guaranteed at least one EFL Cup game. You're guaranteed at least one FA Cup game. And then you've got the five sub situation in there as well. And you've got other bits and pieces against sides, possibly in the bottom 10 at home, where it's easy to imagine someone coming in and a younger prospect coming in and being able to, to, to influence games like that. So, you know, I think there's room for that. You know, I think we can simultaneously be excited and feel as though we're going to have a really big season on the one hand, but on another hand, also be able to say a couple of these new lads, whoever the, the rest of them end up being along with. So, Bosley, there's room for them to take a little bit of time if they need it. The time could well be there. And that's the other thing about, you know, to go back to where we started this conversation, 
the other good thing about the back end of the season is that it makes you go, okay, well, if we see a bit more Curtis Jones than we might have expected for the first six months, well, that's absolutely fine. We know that Curtis is capable of this list of things. You know, if we see the last half an hour, because for Zabozlai, it's not entirely worked, but Jordan Henderson or Harvey Elliott, come on. You know, it's not the end of the world. We know that they can function in, in a winning Liverpool team in this system and so on and so forth. So I think it's all... I think it all lines itself up, you know, hugely positively. The other last little thing, you're talking about the money and the value versus other players. You know, Mount, it sounds as though, has gone in on at least twice, if not two and a half times the wages that Sabozlai's getting at Liverpool. It looks like Sabozlai's wages, to me, what's been reported, feels very similar to uh, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain's uh, reported wage. Um, so, and I think we've seen in the past, you know, one of the issues Liverpool have had is that, you know, the wage bill, it's not out of control. I think it's actually very controlled. But what it ends up doing is it ends up soaking up a lot of Liverpool's ability to function. So I think not having footballers coming in at, on outrageously large wages in the first place and then looking for a preferential contract extension, I think it puts Liverpool in a stronger position. Uh, I hope we are in two years' time talking about a contract extension and twice the money for yep. Sabozlai because it'll mean he's been a massive success. Absolutely. But I think for now, you know, I think Liverpool trying to free themselves up from the idea of paying out 360 million a year in wages a little bit is no bad thing. Uh, and I think that this is this is another reason why it's a good sign. And when you take the whole package, when you have a look at the whole package rather than just the idea of what the flat fee is. I, I think we've... I asked, asked, I asked. Who gives a shit why I asked? But sort of I my opinion always was that I want us to be smart in the market. Back to being the smartest club in world yep. football. Back to being the most cleverest, back to being the most shrewdest. Two release clauses, 35 million, 60 million wages that have been moved on. We, we, we're sticking with the system. I know there's a there's certain section of the fan base that have criticized some of the processes, some of the sort of methods of our operation, but but, but the wage the way the way we do our wage structure, I still think it's it works yeah. and it's the best way. I think that's I think that's really fair. But I think the other thing is let's be clear about why you know sections of the of the fan base were were critical. One of the things was they just wanted to see Liverpool be busy, and I think you can get too bogged down in the idea that transfers are everything. But simultaneously, you do need to sort of refresh and change. I'm someone who's very much viewed as you know having a great deal of time and sympathy for the owners. I think that's overstated at times, but I do think that the you know I think they're a long way from perfect in a number of different ways, and I think that there's there's been a contingency of Liverpool supporters who would just like to see them be a little bit busier and a little bit more proactive uh, in that regard. And I think, and I've always thought, whether I agree with it at every moment or not, it's a perfectly reasonable position to have. And yeah. it's not one that, you know, I, I think in any direction, I think sneering at people because they don't want the club to be owned by uh, an overseas investment fund. On the one hand, you shouldn't be sneering at people for that, but sneering at people because they like the club to be a little bit busier in the market. Well, let's not sneer at that either. You know, I think that there's, I, I think you've got to, you know, there's arguments as to the best way to run Liverpool Football Club. For me, you know, I, I can listen to a range of those arguments. My main issue is I do not want to be owned, even in part, by a sovereign investment fund of another nation. This project is about Liverpool, the city of Liverpool, and broadcasting it in a worldwide sense. You know, we'll sports wash the city of Liverpool, please, nothing else. That's what I want uh, more than anything else versus, you know, how you make those decisions within there and how that's going to operate. You can make a coherent argument, I would disagree with it, but that you don't improve the Anfield Road because it might impact your cash flow in terms of getting players in and out. You can make that argument and we can discuss that in, in honest terms, as you know, in good faith terms. I think that's an important thing to be able to do when you're talking about the football club. But 
in essence here, I think it's absolutely perfectly valid to say, you know, you want them to be busy. I, you know, I don't want them to finish here. I want them to do five. Um, I'm pleased this weekend, you know, and it's good that the second one's in. He's also going to be in on the 8th of July or the 12th of July because uh, the manager's not going to have Curtis Jones and he's not going to have Harvey Elliott uh, in that period of time because they're at this under-21s tournament. If they do Romeo Lavia or uh, Kefran Taram, they won't be there uh, necessarily on those first days either. It's worth pointing that out. Uh, but I want them to do, you know, I want them to continue uh, to commit to this because, because I want to enjoy the refresh of the journey first and foremost more than anything and and hopefully that's where we are and hopefully that's what we've got to come and and, and I think in amongst all of that what there doesn't need to be you know we don't need to decide to to draw lines and find divisions uh, I think the idea of us looking at five exciting new footballers who will all be under the age of 24 or at least four of the five of them under the age of 24 four of the five of them coming to join our merry band for the next sort of five, hopefully 10 years and hopefully success within there. That's just, it's only something phenomenal to be excited about. It is absolutely. And I think the key, one of the key elements of that is the age. Um, and I think again, you know, we used to be known to be ahead of the curve. Um, and I think we've gone back to that sort of uh, attempting to be ahead of the curve, because I think all of these players that we've mentioned um, or, or mentioned and linked and, and the ones we've bought, you know, can you imagine their prices in a couple of years' time? I think we're trying to do as much business as we can before, you know, the likes of Newcastle and and, and probably other clubs can sort of get in there and, and, and drive the prices to an even more insane level than they already are. Um, just a couple of super chats before we say, touch upon what Neil talked about in terms of what else needs to be done now. Anybody know uh, the new chant for Domi to the tune of Alive, Empire of the Sun? Anybody know this? So any, a rendition? Uh, I, I only know Walking on, on a Dream by Empire of the Sun. I didn't it's, know they it's had niche. All the best getting that going on the cop. <laughs> really? George yeah. to play it first and we'll see where we mm. end up. Uh, good luck with that one then. So that's a no-go, but I appreciate the super chat and support. Thank you. That's um, a deep cut right there. Absolutely. Dylan says, with the supposal I done, uh, we need a DM like Lavia more. Get a centre-back and go back for Turam at the end. Greedy, but we need Lavia, Turam and centre-back in, in my opinion. And then we're going to Join that with what centre backs are we looking to get? Lads, Delwin says, can't see myself going for Colwell, getting Colwell, sorry, because of Chelsea asking too much price. No, Gavardio due to City going to sign him. Um, Cav, it's it's a great start and it's got us excited and it's got us doing a show again, which is mm -hmm. the first basis of you know of excitement. Like we we actually didn't want to do a show for a month, um, but we, it's got us excited. We're doing the show again. What needs to be done? For the rest or the remainder of the window, in your opinion? Uh, okay. Well, I think what the signings have given us uh, is the idea that we're gonna we're gonna continue to press further up the pitch, um, pressing numbers and try to win the ball higher up the uh, pitch, which we're used to seeing and it's brought us success over the years. Uh, I think the sort of fresh legs uh, and the ability of the guys uh, McAllister and uh, Sabozalai gives us allows us to do that. Um, I alluded to it earlier, though, there is going to be spaces that can be exploited against us, you know, especially down the channels. If um, if Trent is occupying that midfield position, um, we've seen Canate come over and cover really well in, in most of the games. Um, and then Robbo is still fighting his feet, you know, a little bit in that left centre back position. If he, you know, continues to tuck in a bit too much, there's space that can be overloaded at the back sticks. You know, if he bombs on forward, there's also space down that channel. We've seen the centre-backs be exposed at times and stuff. So I'm saying all of this because I think we probably still need to find a 
athletic, defensive-minded midfielder, in my opinion. Okay. Um, I have been on the show and, and waxed lyrical about Besetic, and I still think he's got bags and bags of potential, and I'm super excited about what player he can become. Um, but I think it's, I think he's going to play next season. I think he's going to impress, but I'm not sure if he's a, the guy that we should perhaps rely on at this moment in time. Fabinho improved slightly when we changed the system, but we even if he gives us a good season, we still need to think beyond him. So I would like to see somebody come in that can at least be athletic and cover the ground. But some of the names we've been linked to are also quite technically gifted, which is ideal for, for that position and what we need, I think. Um, suggestions that we might need somebody in the sort of back line as well, um, maybe on that left side, uh, somebody to not replace, but be an option. To I think it's more somebody. than a suggestion, Kev. Yeah. I think, because, need, I think it's a must. I, th yeah. I, think, I think that, you know, Robertson did okay in that position, not not great in some games, but he's still trying to find his feet playing there. And I think he will improve in that position. But again, we have to think about, I, don't know, I think it's Robertson 30 now. He's probably got a few years ahead of him still, but I would like to see somebody come in whereby he at least challenges Robertson and then you know that's the, the succession plan, that's the future guy if we're going to commit to this back three, call it what you will. So I think I would maybe be looking at somebody athletic and defensively minded at this point in time because I think we've got firepower in the front line I think we've got creativity in the midfield now um, we've got experience we've got a lot of things I just would like to see them them legs that is also going to benefit the likes of Van Dyke and Kanate or, or Matip or whoever plays because we've seen it last season with Van Dyke. you know at times when he's, he was left exposed he's reluctant to step out he's reluctant to put the challenge in don't know if that's anything to do with the injury or the amount of games or just the bad season that he he would sort of say he was having um, and the season we were having in general. But I would just like to see that cover there because I think pushing up the pitch is going to provide his defensive solidity. But I also want to see the legs behind it. So for me, like I say, I'd, I'd like to see a six come in. Um, and then if I'm, if I'm being greedy, a centre-back as well. I think they've got to do both of those, and I do. Two, I think they should be looking at, looking at doing two centre backs or two defenders more accurately, precisely what they're going with. I think that there's a couple who can move on uh, quite mm. easily. You know, I think if you imagine whoever it is who comes in for to, to ideally someone who profiles being able to play left hand side at centre half and also as left back, I think that therefore creates a situation where Shimikas goes. The other thing I'd point out as well is that whilst you know even during 28, 2017 to twenty twenty, we sort of talk about it like oh Liverpool played this four three three every single game and it worked the same way every single game. That's nonsense. Shakiri gets a run of games in the uh, in, in in the October, uh, November, and December of of twenty eighteen. Um, he gets loads and loads of appearances. Lallana's still getting games in that period. Um, you know Liverpool at times line up in four four twos. They line up in four two three ones. Salah went centre forward for a period. I think you know the idea that they're only going to play one way. And it's always going to be there. I think they're going to have the key way they're going to play, but you know, both within games and from game to game, I think they may well change it. So you, you need to give themselves the flexibility to do that. For me, I think it's important that I think they're in, they're in a position. I'll say again with the Europa League that they can have a bit of a project at number six. You know, you've got by Jetic. Uh, I always say his name wrong. Uh, you've got Fabinho. You've got Henderson. You've even got Thiago in a sense who could come in and do bits for you at six next to Trent. For a period, so that means that you can look and work with a develop someone, and I think both Taram and Lavia are really, really interesting in different ways. Taram, because he hasn't played six, 
uh, and he'll need some work. And Lavia, because he's not only 19, and he'll need some work uh, and some room to develop. But I think you've got the room there to to spend six months on that, uh, be working behind the scenes, as happened with Fabinho when we first signed him. Exactly. And then mm-hmm. be ready to go bang, there you are, as happened with Robertson when we first signed him. You know, I think there's a little bit of room in there to do that. I'd love them to have a look at, you know, there's loads of names. I'd love them to look at on the left-hand side. There's Mickey van der Ven, who's off-linked. There's Inaccio, who's off-linked. Uh, Kilman, I think, is one to watch. Uh, I think that they may well have Kilman lined up as a bit of a fallback, as one they might go for if they need to at Wolves. Who's not the most mobile, but he's technically really good. Uh, and he's a big lad as well, wins his headers. Bastoni keeps popping up here and there, and, and he's a lovely footballer. I adore Colwell, and I think if they could do Colwell, they would. I just don't know if they can, uh, if they can pull that one out the bag. But I think they'll look to do that. And then I think then you're looking to get some exits done. I think they'll do Lavia and they'll do a centre-back. And then I think you're looking to do some exits, and then they might move for one more who's able to play where where Canate plays primarily and maybe a little bit of what Trent does as well. Maybe a more orthodox right-back. Maybe after they've had a look at Bradley in pre-season, they might think, you know what, we're, we're rushing this. It's a bit too early for him. Um I think that I think that by Jetic they may well look at as the potential trend cover a little bit as well. See if he can do that coming in from right back and being able to do bits and pieces of that along those lines. But that might not work, at which point they might need to move again. But I do think that it does sort of free up the option, you know, if they do another one, the option of sort of seeing if there's any interest in any of their players after they've done another centre half. But I think they've got to do five. I'd be disappointed if they don't. Oh no, I'd be disappointed if they don't do four. Mm. But I just think as an opportunity, as a moment, and as I say, literally being in the Europa League is part of this for me. You know, it gives you the ability to to do a fifth. Know that they're going to get on the pitch. Know they're going to get twelve months of learning and and all that sort of stuff. And I think if that comes together quite nicely, then you know suddenly you you have done a quite substantial rebuild uh, this summer. And looking back at the signings made since Diaz. You know, it's a substantial rebuild of a lot of the squad and, and, and I feel as though that could be really, really good. So, yeah, I'd love them to do a left-sided one. One of the names I've mentioned, and I think it will be Lavier or Taran, and it may well just come back, come down to which one's cheaper because if they can make sure they save as much money as possible with the next one, it makes it easier for them to do five rather than four. Yeah, Keith, uh, uh, by the way, very quickly, uh, uh, I love the Kilman shout. People that listen to my nonsense will know I'm a massive fan of Kilman. Massive. And I often get lambasted for that, having that opinion. Kilman, like, is looked at and disdained, but Kilman is a fantastic prospect. Um, Keith, it looks like, it looks like it's Turam or Lavia. Liverpool could surprise us. They often do. Uh, no one saw Sabozalai. Um, but Turam and Lavia are strongly, strongly linked. Again, we've, we've spoken about profiles. We've spoken about stylistically what we need, what we require. I was of the opinion we need a, a ball carrier, a ball mm. player, and a ball winner. We have uh, the uh, we have the other two. The ball winner is still. I'm not sure about. We have the ball mm. winner. Um, Lavia is a ball winner. Um, Turam is a pretty much an all rounder that can do pretty much everything. One's a project. I believe, and you guys know this, I believe we have a deal in place for Turam if we choose to execute and go and sign him. Mm-hmm. It's, can we do both? So, to be honest, I can't see us doing both. And this okay. is really interesting because I think it, <laughs> there's two, two, two ways I'm thinking of this. The first thing is when we were discussing about our owners, 
Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. Three, one yeah. to Ukraine. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. We will soon find out if we, we are who we will go for. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, the, the one side of me thinks to myself, like, um, our owners, we've spoken about them and we've spoken about, you spoke about how uh, smart they are in a transfer window, almost to the point of being mad geniuses. And I think sometimes they become so inflamed and engulfed in their genius or the way that they like to approach transfers that it becomes a level of value, right? So when we find a player and we see that the value is there, we will execute it like that. But when we start to hum and har about the values of certain players, that's where I get a bit concerned about whether we will execute on buying two midfielders if maybe we if we need to overcompensate as opposed to having maybe the one midfielder and then looking around and seeing actually which which midfielder do we choose for value so i i would hazard a guess to say that it's probably going to be one of the two um i you always mm-hmm. I've, I've, I've been i've been banging on about the fact that we need a ball winner in that midfielder for some time do you know what I mean? Someone that's really defensively minded, someone that can, you know, in this ever flowing change of, of formations that Liverpool are uh, are going through, the idea that we're the only player that we've relied on for the past five years is Fabinho to effectively do that job. It's not and fair on him, is it? It's just not fair on him. And we've <laughs> criticised him and lambasted the man. And sometimes you've got to think, like, fucking hell, putting those timely challenges after five years probably get a bit much. I think he needs competition. I think Pichet is, is young. I think the injury that he picked up may have alerted the club to the fact that we're pushing him too fast, too young, right? And actually, we need to protect him a lot of the times. And maybe we should be going back to playing him in, you know, Europa League games here, League Cup games there. You know, he's brilliant. He shouldn't be a regular. No chance. He shouldn't be playing week in, week out. And actually, I think there should be somebody rotating with him. Lavia fits a few bills for me. He fits the the the, the homegrown quota, which I think is going to be hugely important in, in, in the race for all these players. Um, you know, he, he fits the idea of, of him being a project. The only thing that I have a question mark over is that price. And I think that FSG will do some, you know, go some way to try and knock that down. If they can knock that down, I think it's Lavia. If not, I think it's Turan purely for the value um, uh, uh, going into it. My other concern is the centre-back position, really, because one thing that we've got to remember about FSG, I'm sorry to, like, uh, put a damper on things and maybe um, go in a different angle, is if we don't, if we can't shift players, we don't really sign the replacement for next year, mm-hmm. right? We very much like literally, we if if Gomez and Matip stay at Liverpool, I can't see us signing a centre back until next until Matip leaves on the free next year. That's my personal opinion. It's a bit like the Oxley Chamberlain, the Cater, and the Milner situation, right? The club was everyone in the fan base was really pushing that we needed to sign, do these midfields, start this rebuild last summer. We didn't. January, we did it. In fact, probably the summer in January before we were calling for it, but we couldn't move players on. So that's where I think the big question mark comes in or, or whether Klopp kind of sits on the laurels after he gets his midfielder and, and continues with Gomez and Matip. So I probably want to put a little bit of a, um, a different spin on it. You know, I, I agree, Neil. I think, you know, five signs would be incredible, particularly in centre-back, where we need the refresh because we've got players that are, have picked up big injuries and have mm-hmm. been at the club for a long time. That you almost uh, argue, you know, have they got have they got much left in those legs that we've taken away for the past couple of years? But I think that it really comes down to if we, if if we can shift a few. So Lavia for me is what I would like. Um, I think he fits the bill, but the price tag is too high. Um, Turam's a really you know elegant, beautiful player, um, but 
again, I don't know. It's all going to be about value. These owners are really obsessed with the with value, probably more than any other owners that we have. They will, you know, the, they, they didn't buy Dom's uh, Sobislai because, you know, oh, we just threw 70 million euros. They looked at the value when they were trying to get Mason Mount and they realized that for half the wages and, 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 and the media rights and all that kind of stuff, we get this player do pretty much the same thing. That was a FSG move to to a T. So, yeah, that's my opinion on it. I think I think it's going to be really about value. I think that the, the, there is a there is a slight difference in that. I think that there wasn't a market uh, for a couple of seasons for Keiter and Oxlade Chamberlain. There didn't appear to be one. You look at where Keiter's yeah. ended up. Chamberlain still hasn't got a club um, at the time at which we're talking about this. I feel as though there would be a market for Matip and Shimikas. Say hypothetically, I think there'd definitely be a market for Joe Gomez if Liverpool were prepared to take the homegrown risk on that one. Um, and also, simultaneously, I think that you can, you know, there's an argument. I wouldn't have any issue whatsoever if the club decided, you know, if, they, if they'd gone out and bought another player that they facilitated an exit for, for instance, Matip, where there's no transfer fee, even though he's got a year left or a very, very low one. Because first and foremost, he's on a lot of wages, but also secondly, he's been a genuine, legit, full-scale full Liverpool legend. You know, if if there is the feeling he's thinking, well, I'm 31, I want to get some more games in my career uh, from now until the end, and it's not going to be here because... I do feel as though he is the one who, you know, he does well at West Ham away. I want to be really clear about that, but he is the one who I, I feel as though it's hardest to envisage exactly how he, where he gets his games um, yeah, at this point, and especially if Liverpool sign one more defender. So I'm quite, you know, I, I think that things can be done. As I say, I think it is different. Literally, Shimakas left backs, there just aren't enough of them knocking around, full stop, who've, who've got a certain level, a certain profile. I really struggle to see, you know, where Shimakas's games come from, especially if Liverpool sign a left-hand-sided centre-half who can also play left-back. And especially if it's a younger one who you're looking to develop, you know, you do not therefore pick Kostas Shimakas um, for almost any type of game because the developmental time, the pitch time massive, matters massively. Um, so I'm quite... I, th- I think it's, you know, I, th- I, I think it's... There's opportunities there for Liverpool, I think, to shake it up a little bit more now. You've still got to make it all work, and you've still got to make it all, uh, you know, you've got to make it all add up, and you've got to make it all sort of work with the, with reference to the number of games the players are getting. I feel as though someone said earlier on, you know, do Lavia and Taram. I feel as though that's just one too many. I think it's both one too many in terms of getting them all pitch time, but I think it's also one too many in terms of projects to be cracking on with. Let's be clear about this: we all want to see Liverpool break ninety points again next season, and have a whale of the time in the Europa League. So you can't. You know, you don't want to do one too many there. And my other thing on this, though, is, like, I think Rodri's incredible. Um, I'm boring about how good I think Rodri is. I think he's absolutely incredible. incredible. I don't think Liverpool, someone before, I think it was Total Eclipse in the chat, mentioned that Liverpool should maybe go and get Amrabat. And I quite like Amrabat as a player, but he's a million miles away from Rodri. So if Mm -hmm. if we want to work a way that we're going to go toe to toe, not just this season, but in seasons to come, with the team who've got the best number six on the planet by a distance, we're not going to go and buy one off the shelf um, who's ready to challenge them for that. We need to develop someone. We need to develop the position. We need to allow the position to change. We need to work our strengths and how we use that position different to, to Manchester City and how we use a player different. You know, I think we've really got to, we've got to bear that in mind. I just don't think there's a plug-and-play solution to number six for Liverpool. Um, I think in loads of ways, they've sort of got the best one already in Fabinho, if they can get him back to what he's been in the past, while developing someone who's ready to genuinely challenge that mantle, because that's how good Rodri is. There's no clear player you go in and go, well, he's the second best one and he can become the first one. Rodri's so clear 
there, I think you need to have a bit of a plan and a project rather than just just lump in. He's yeah, and I, I just want to come in real quick. I, I, I think Neil brings up a great point where Liverpool, in terms of a succession planning and sort of lowering the average age of the squad, yes, they, they need players, you know, 24 and younger, but you need to be careful not to have too many projects. I think that's really crucial. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to, and I wanted to echo that. And so you, you search for this middle ground of yes, the player's young enough to be considered a project, but good enough right now to make an impact in, in the next season, even if it takes maybe three or four months of, of betting in and, and Europa league fixtures and things like that before their fixtures in the first team in the premier league. So that sort of narrows the scope almost of, of who Liverpool can sign. Cause, cause I see people on Twitter, um, you know, linking, you know, why aren't Liverpool going for these wonder kids? Why, why can't Liverpool go get Moises Caicedo before he gets his Brighton move? You know what I mean? In theory, why can't they get him straight from South America? At, at Liverpool's level, you can't have too many projects. You, you know what I mean? You, and you, you're already trying to create a pathway for guys like Curtis Jones, for guys like Harvey Elliott, um, you know, Stefan Bacetic, because you, you need to show them and, and the rest of the footballing uh, sphere that we can create routes for teenagers if they're ready. And mm-hmm. so I, I, I think that makes the, the scope of who Liverpool can sign a little bit, a little bit more strict than perhaps people realize. And I do think Liverpool should uh, make a, a signing at left center back as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wanted to touch on that. And it does become difficult, like, like, um, most of you have alluded to where Costa Shimakas games come from, because if if the argument for getting a, a left sided center half um, is based around perhaps the fact that Andrew Robertson, for all of his quality, is a bit of a square peg in a round hole in this three at the back system, then Costa Shimakas, all due respect to him, a lesser version uh, of Andrew Robertson. How where is he going to play, and how good can he could he possibly play in this shape? Now, I think the I think the benefit of keeping Andrew Robertson and trying him out in the system is just because he's Andrew Robertson and he possesses a certain amount of quality on the ball, uh, tactical nuance, uh, experience, intangibles, all, all of those wonderful things that we've come to expect from him. And, and I do think Andrew Robertson will get better, you know, with a preseason under his belt at understanding his role in this new system. But if, if the money is there and the ambition is there to go get someone who would be, you know, a circle peg in a round hole, if we could get, uh, an out and out left sided center back, then absolutely, I, I do think Liverpool should. You know, all these all these names that you guys have mentioned. You know, uh, uh, Inacio from Sporting, who I really like, but again, that's another release clause. Is is that potentially too many release clauses in one window? Uh, Colwell, you know, I, I think he tops my personal list. But you know, Chelsea, although they've shown that they're willing to sell to their rivals, is that perhaps one too many? You know, obviously they have to keep an eye on on the homegrown quota as well. Um, so, uh, Taram, Lavia, I do agree with you guys. I, right now, it seems to be that it's going to be one or the other. Um, I could make peace with either or because in Lavia, in the out and out six, um, I do think there's an argument that Liverpool could use that because Liverpool seem to have depth in terms of these uh, forward-thinking midfielders. You know, Curtis Jones, Elliot, Sobosly, McAllister. You know, you still have Thiago in the team. Um, so Liverpool have depth in these in these areas, but do Liverpool have a have a natural backup to Fabinho that can be relied upon? You know, Pachetic is pretty raw as, as things stand. Uh, Taram, one thing I will say about Taram that I don't think has been said yet in his four seasons at Nice, he's had five different managers, and he's been a mainstay in each system, uh, in each ethos, and he and he's played a, v- a variety of roles 
in the midfield. Not not too not too much game time at, at six, yeah. as you guys have said. But if if I look at Lavia and Taram in terms of who could be moldable by Jurgen Klopp and that elite developmental mind into something just extravagant in, into a world beater, perhaps. I, I, I see that more in Kefren Taram right now, but I, it could come down to price and it, and, it, and it could come down to value, but I am sold uh, on both players because um, they bring the pace and power in the legs that people have been asking for. Yep. Um, and, you know, and, and, and I, and I believe that, that Liverpool, you know, it, it will sort of change our fortunes overnight to, to add that pace and power back into the midfield. But I'm equally relieved that Liverpool have added technical players as well, because on one hand, although Liverpool seemed unable to, to win a tackle or intercept the ball at many points last season at our lowest, at our lowest points, Liverpool, it's worth remembering Liverpool's technical quality over five to 10 yards completely abandoned them, the, abandoned them uh, in those same games. Mm. So Hot retaining, Hot potato. yeah, yeah, yeah. Retaining, retaining the possession makes you a, a better defensive team. Um, and in this new shape, you know, although Fabinho, I, I do think we have seen the best of him in terms of a footballer. We seem to have made him and Trent their defensive responsibilities much simpler. Instead of being responsible for constant one v one situations out wide, Trent is now responsible for five to ten yards of space in the center of the park with a partner. So if we can make defensive responsibilities of certain individuals just more simple, then I think we will continue to get the best out of them. Conroy, last couple of points, questions. We've run way over time. Uh, just a couple of things. This has stood out to me. This is my friend, actually, Sass. Uh, I love Neil, but big up Grizz. Where's, uh, like, why couldn't you love us both? And big What's up big you up, Grizz? You just take the big up. I mean, Sass, I, I will have words hey. with you in private. Yeah, um, so, yeah there, we didn't even get a mention, Grizz, so... Hey? Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. We're just Conroy, a lot of noise in terms of if we are to do two, very quickly, we're going to end up now. If we are to do two, a lot of noise and question marks about Tiago Alcantara. What a player. What a fantastic talent. You know, what about Tiago? Where does he fit? Or are we selling? Masego asks the question. Is it a question? Should there be a question mark around the talent that is Tiago Alcantara? I don't think it's a question mark over the talent, but I think this, the situation is, is Neil and Evan have just mentioned. It's a lot of our discussions overall tonight have been, it. to me, it seems like the new guard, especially if you think about, let's say, the, the new team pass, and if it's either Trent or Fabinho, but pass that on the formation, there's a good chance it's going to be completely new attacking outlet compared to the past couple of seasons, obviously not Salah. So is this as good a time as any to just move on from Thiago? The reason I'm saying that is I'd love to have Thiago as an option. Like, don't get me wrong, I think he's outstanding talent, I really do. But if I'm, if you're looking at it from his point of view, you, I think it was Neil you mentioned, or it was Chris you mentioned Thiago on Europa Leagues. If I'm Thiago Alcantara, do you think I'm going to settle for playing on Thursday nights for Liverpool? That's the only game time I'm getting, or cup games, for the career he's had instead of, let's say, moving to Saudi for a big money move or going, going somewhere else where he can like enjoy the end of his career. And for me, from that point of view, I think he would leave. I'm not saying that will be the case, but it has kind of went quiet on Thiago. A lot of the talk has been about these players come in. Yourself, Chris, has said, Mac 10, McAllister starting. Um, so boss lies starting there we go nearly 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 butchered that but you know they two are starting straight away train in the in the box midfield with either a Fabinho 
um, or as we mentioned, a two ram or. Well, Lager. tell me, guys. Maybe I'm wrong. Does Tiago start in this system? Is there a place for Tiago? I, 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 th I think, I think when fit, Tiago Alcantara is still by some distance the best midfielder at the club. No um, problem. That's not the question, though. Yeah, that's not our. Answer my question. Yes, I, I, I think Tiago's ability. And where? I think Tiago would play uh, ideally in the holding pivot with Trent because I think his defensive work is is underrated. And I think a guy with his experience... You're asking uh, for trouble in this Premier League, my friend. I don't think Tiago... I don't think Tiago... Has in this, a, in this day and age, Tiago, at this a stage of his career, through what he's gone through, if you're playing him alongside Trent, who's also newly assigned to this role, and uh, and if you're saying we're going to challenge the likes of Man City, Neil's just referenced Rodri, and you guys know what I think of Rodri. I think Rodri is a, a Hall of Famer in terms of DMs. Trent and Thiago is asking for trouble, in my opinion. Well, per perhaps, perhaps, perhaps against oh. Man City, Grizz, but keep, keep in mind how a majority of the Premier League teams like to mm. set up against Liverpool. Fair. I, I would say with the exception of about three to four teams, many teams enjoy sitting off Liverpool, and, and in which case it is all about maintaining the siege in the opponent's half. And it is all about retaining the possession and being a front-footed defensive team as opposed to needing to be more compact uh, at times against a, a world-class outfit like City. Personally, I don't, I don't, just one thing I really got to say with Thiago, I agree, Evan, I get, I see the stats, I see the, he he is underrated for his defensive play. Oh, well, no, I agree with that part. 100%, I agree with that part. However, the biggest eye-opener for me was after the World Cup and during the January, right? Because he was playing in probably, and he was playing alongside Fabinho mm. and... For me, that was the moment where, A, the legs started to show, the physicality of the Premier League started to show, and ultimately, after all that, and, and we got hammered, and we lost a lot of games, and he was playing a lot of those games as well, he got injured, and we didn't see him for another couple of months. So that just, for me, summed up a lot of what I've seen from, from the player, is if he wants to go into coaching, maybe, and, he, and, and he's seen as a leader within the, within the locker room at Liverpool, then I think he's a fantastic player to keep for his experience, and if he's shown that type of leadership... And he wants to go into coaching, but he's going to have to accept to have the reduced games. Otherwise, I can't see much of the reason why his qualities would want to still be around as a bit part player at Liverpool. I, th I, I think it's a bit, I think he's the one who of the the previous season, the Champions League starting final starting three. I actually think he's the one who deals with the roof being on fire better than the other two. Um, and I actually think he, he, you know, in that period when he's playing, um, for instance, games away at Wolves, and it's absolutely horrendous. He's he's trying to take responsibility. He's trying to look after it because nothing's working. Everyone's gone to pieces. Joel Matip's just decided to to, to put through his own goal. Uh, Fabinho looks like he's won a competition to play for Liverpool, uh, and Thiago's, you know, Thiago's there still, still sort of getting through it. I. I, I feel as though there's a lot of criticisms, really fair criticisms you can make of the manager that he make of himself last season. I think one of them is that I don't think he used the five subs very well. And for me, Thiago, um, either from the start or the idea of him being the sort of football that you want to bring on on 60. One of the things I always felt with Milner when the manager looked at the bench, you know, was that no matter what the game state was, he was able to think this is what I'll get from Milner. Yeah. I think I'd feel quite similar, you know, if we're in a big game and we're ahead at the hour mark, home or away. The idea of bringing Thiago on to look after the ball, the idea that we're we're against the side in the bottom half, um, away from home, and they're 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 
absolutely dug in and it's nil-nil or 1-1 with 30 to go. The idea of being able to take, say, Fabinho off or Lavia or Taram off and bring Thiago on and say, all right, boys, this is the way it is now. You know, we're, we're, we're winning today. We're forcing the issue. And if you want to try and hit us on the counter, all the best. But this is what we're doing now. And we're going to go from there. You know, for me, there's not a game state where I wouldn't go, yes, I'll have some Thiago Alcantara, please, on the hour mark. So I think bearing all that in mind, I, you know, it, he's got one year left on his deal. I'd, I'd keep him. The only way in which I wouldn't keep him is if I thought it would be prohibitive to, to bring in someone else in who we really wanted. But this is back to Evan's point before about the number of projects you want at any given time. And I think both Taram and Lavia, for instance, I think both would be projects. And I'm fine with, with one of them coming in and being a project. The idea that you just end up with a lot of that, you know, and you've got a clear end date for Thiago. He's going to go at the end of his deal. So I'm, I'm very, and I'm fine with that as well. And people will say, oh, you've not got a fee and all this sort of stuff. Fuck that shit. Who cares? It's not my money. But also, <laughs> um, yeah. but also everyone knows where they're up to uh, in that regard. And then we can go from there. So, I'm 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 absolutely fine with another year of Thiago. And again, just imagine a situation that you're playing a Europa League final and Trent Alexander Arnold gets injured and you're wondering where the creativity or the, the, the playmaking's coming from, but it's all right because you look at the bench and Thiago Alcantara's there. Yeah. I'm gonna I'm gonna just one by one Rest ask more. you of, of a of a final answer, definitive answer, because people want definitives. You know what it's like. People want definitives, they don't want opinions, they want definitives. Um we're gonna we're gonna get a centre back. I'm pretty sure. I'm. I, I, I'm pretty. I'm. I'm 99 sure we're going to get a centre back. So we won't address the centre back issue today. I can't see us doing both Lavia and Turam. Evan, who are you choosing, Lavia or Turam? I'm. I'm or another. Or another. Uh, well, Grizz, you said you know the the people wanted definitives. Uh, just a reminder that only a definitive, no opinions, only, only a Sith deal, yeah. Only only a Sith deals in absolutes. A little Star Wars reference. Um, but mm, like, okay, so I'm 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 not gonna I'm not gonna flip flop here. I I said that I thought Taram was perhaps a bit more moldable into perhaps whoever he wants uh, Klopp to be, and of course Lavia with with his age profile, the same could absolutely be said uh, about him. But with Taram, obviously six four with that center of gravity. I mean it, that is. A, a, a unicorn trait. Um, Lavia, Lavia, Lavia could end up uh, developing into a unicorn, but Taram, mm, just, just the intangibles of it seem to move me a bit. David's asked for a poll. Poll, Dave. I, I only it took me two years to learn how to do a poll on YouTube, and uh, <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna push and, and, it. And, and, they, and, and, and they didn't, they didn't solve anything, Grizz. You remember how many 50-50 splits we had in, in, in I know. the last one? I know oh, it's my. unbelievable. Uh, Conroy. Uh, he's gone for two, uh, two ram. One vote for two ram. Yeah, I think I think you know it's actually been a really enjoyable conversation tonight as always. But I think the one for me is both both of not hamstrung, but I do feel like both have got concerns. One being Lavia, the age we mentioned, Stefan Bicetic, and we also said it's like you know the project that Neil mentioned earlier, and I would agree with that with Lavia. Uh, with Turam, I feel like, again, it's it's a project to a certain extent because you're putting him in a position he's not operated in. Um, however, I feel like it really struck me was Neil's point about Rodri. Now, I think about Rodri, what I want to mention earlier, is people tend to forget that Rodri didn't start well at City at all. Absolutely. To come back in, right? People forget this all the time. It's not as if they just bought him in and he's suddenly amazing, but it's not a coincidence that how good he is, and he is unbelievable. Like, I think if you don't rate Rodri, like, I just don't think you see the game away. because Absolutely. Absolutely. But because of that, and this conversation tonight, 
It's like with two rams ability technically, if you manage to make them have that ability as a DM, they still have that technical ability, that incisiveness to really allow us to, to operate and challenge again. I'm probably siding between those two more on Turan because I feel like his ceiling is higher. Um, and I think Evan kind of summed it up probably in the last 10 minutes. I feel like, for me, I'm more on that side now. Um, to be perfectly honest, Chris, I, I think we both agree. Right now, I'd still prefer another DM who's fit, fit for purpose and DM who's a bit older than Lavia, but it just doesn't look like it's going to be two the for Two yeah, for two, Ram. Uh, but, but I love this comment. Absolutely love this comment. Give Conroy a Scottish option and, and two Ram Lavio McGinn and suddenly uh, Conroy will change his mind. You want to leave him again. Look, people can't handle McGinn. Look at Kareem. Rodri couldn't handle him. Keith Lavia, two Ram. You're on mute as usual. Of course you are. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Sure you've been on holiday. <laughs> and you're still on mute. Still, still on mute. That's amazing. You know, you didn't want to hear what my actual choice was. You know how much I love Declan Rice and how upset I am. Like, okay, yeah, we're past it. Get over that now. spent two years, two years, <laughs> yeah, manifesting that it didn't happen. So get over it. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. I was thinking long and hard about it, and um, Conroy. I think you've convinced me the most actually to change my answer. I think Turam, if you can mold him and 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 you know activate those elements of, of of being defensively minded. You know, I've seen the way he moves around the pitch. You know, he still likes to get into the positions that he likes to your Joneses and, and your um, Soberslides like to get into, right? He likes to drive with the ball. But if he can learn to, you know, turn around and look behind him as well as he does, and maybe not even look behind him, but in, as in what I love about Rodri so much is the way that he can just destroy passing lanes just with one move. He's always in the right place at the right time, just as that ball's being tried to be played. Sometimes it's stuff like that, which Fabinho was so good at for so long. If we could train that in Turam, I agree with Conroy. He's got a higher ceiling. Cav, that's three for for Turam. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, not to jump on the uh, bandwagon, but I also would go to Ram. I, I understand. No, nobody um, likes a contrarian, Cav. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> I, I understand the um, the fact that he's not a natural six as such, but um, I like the idea that we could um, mould uh, him to be one, but also maybe interchangeable with McAllister if he's playing out on the left. So they mm. can interchange along that left side. And I'm talking in particular in-game. You know, phases of play whereby if one of them finds himself carrying the ball in advance of the other, the other one naturally drop back and occupies that position because we've seen McAllister play in a slightly more deeper role. So I'd just like for us to have the guy that has perhaps more rounded abilities and see that relationship really build, especially if Robbo is going to continue to play on the left side and 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 continue to help in the build up and the attack, especially if the if they, you've got a Diaz out on the left and stuff. I want the relationship on the left side to be fluid. And I think when you've got all-rounded, technical, good footballers, as well as athletic, you can you can achieve that. So I would go with Tora. That's a shout there. Turan reminds me of a young gullet, James M. Casey. No pressure. No pressure. Wow. <laughs> no, no pressure there, son. Um, Neil, uh, Lavia, Turan. Uh, I think they'll buy Lavia, and I'm quite agnostic on the two. So, But I think they'll buy Lavia. Um, people are asking about uh, a sort of uh, a poll. I actually did do a poll on Twitter. Uh, these are the results uh, of the poll. Do I need to zoom in? Mm, Lavia. So, wow, close to 9,000 votes. Um, about five, six hours ago. And these are the results, guys. Um, tighter than us. 
Mm-hmm. Um, make of that what you will. I don't to, know what to that be is. fair, Grizz, you you didn't get uh, give any of us the option for both. So I mean, uh, the, the the people have that option. You 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 made us do an ultimatum. Based on that, we're assuming. Based on that, we're assuming then. Let's just say the thirty five percent that said both would have been. Let's just say split. Yeah, Lavia wins just. <sighs> just interesting. Look, it's going to be an interesting week. I think, especially with Turan being knocked out of the champion, uh, the the Euros, um, it's going to be an interesting summer. It's it started off magnificently for us. It has to end magnificently for it to be a total success. We don't want any. Um, we don't want the bare minimums done. We want the maximum that can be done because why not? It's the opportunity to do it. Uh, we're in the middle of a rebuild, a refresh. Um, of course, I want to thank you guys as usual, the the usual red fellas. Uh, thank you very much for 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 being re-energized and waking up and replying to my messages. I really appreciate that. Thank you all. They totally ignore and, and, and blank at me. Uh, it's it quite... To, it's to, to, to be fair, Grizz, Grizz you're, you're blowing up the group at uh, 3 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. In, in, in my defense. Yeah. In my defense, <laughs> I, was, I was at a nightclub. <laughs> all right, Keith. You're open to nightclubs. <laughs> Listen, you're you're in a nightclub from Friday. You've just explained from Friday night. To Monday. <laughs> so <laughs> when the fuck do I get you? <laughs> Keith, Keith is in Ibiza or whatever you know. He's in Berlin. Do you know what I mean? So, as I said, seriously. <laughs> yeah, but listen, guys, uh, you know, I'm, I'm joking. Fantastic contribution, of course, as always. Uh, Neil, a special thank you to you. I know how pleasure. busy you are. Everyone knows how busy you are, but we really, really appreciate your that's uh, been great. Uh, you having a chat. All things Liverpool, because Let's that's what the, Red the, start do. the season. Absolutely. This is what the Red Fellas are about. We speak about our beloved Liverpool, varying opinions, different opinions, all done with respect, humor, and love. This has been the Red Fellas Sunday night. I think we're back. I think we're back. We're hoping Liverpool's back. I think everything's back. Take care. I'm looking for the outro because it's been so long. I'll find it in a minute, right this very second. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey, guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.